Episode number 102 of the Untitled Podcast. Jen is back. This is another conversation that was recorded a few weeks ago back in early June. It stayed in the vault while I dedicated every waking minute of my free time to my new house. Here it is now. It will precede a follow-up episode with Jen to come in a few days. All basketball, all the time. Here is Jen Fay. What's up? What's up? How you doing? Um, I'm doing great. <laughs> doing great. This has been a short week, holiday week. Um, feels like a long week somehow. <laughs> I, I know. My first week back too. I was like, first two days, been crazy catching up. How was your uh, How was your long weekend? You were away, yeah. Good. I was home for like a week. Yeah, it was. It was awesome, actually. Did you guys start workouts soon? I just saw today. Like, yeah. That I guess UConn starts next week, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that means that everybody probably starts next week." <laughs> like our player, they went home for like two and a half weeks, and they're back. They started lifting yesterday. We start basketball next week. They're already back on campus. Yeah, it's time is just yeah, it flies. Oh my god! And then they they're up here for like three weeks, and then they go home for another two, and then they come back for another three. It's like back and forth kind of. Back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, so you're you're pretty much here for the duration, or are you going to be bouncing? Uh, July, we're out. I'm here all June, and then we're literally out on the road all of July for the most part. Big tournaments. And um, stuff, right? recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Do you have so the um, players are here a little bit when we're not here? Actually, do you have like an? Do you have your assignment already? No, not yet. Would you guys split up? You must split up, right? Yes, we all go. Yeah, somewhere different. Um, the tournaments are usually in the same place. So it'll be like. Chicago, Kentucky, South Carolina. I just don't know which one I'm going to yet. <laughs> Spin a wheel. We'll see. Literally, <laughs> I went to Chicago this year. I went to Kentucky last year. I'm like, eh. <laughs> been to Kentucky Kentucky. once, been there enough. No offense to Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Downtown no. uh, is pretty, he's not actually, he's not bad. Um, but Louisville? You know, I'd rather go to Chicago. Yeah, Louisville. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've been to the iconic uh, KFC Yum Center. <laughs> I have. I have. The most American yeah. name for an arena ever. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. We spoke a couple weeks ago. We are mm. almost, we're almost a month into the season already. I was going to say it's a month, right? Like it's, it's been, it's a month. Fast. I just took a look at the, uh, at the schedule for the season. Cause you know, I, we have it quarter in our head, right? Like we kind of know when the all-star break is, we kind of know when, the window opens we kind of know when we like know roughly when the playoffs start um right. just you know having watched for for all these years but i went and looked at it yeah playoffs start like august 15th august 17th so we got like nine ish weeks of the season left if you or 10 you know on the calendar but if you quarter of the way in about right yeah yeah if you get rid of maybe i don't even know maybe a week close to a week for the all-star break then it's really only about like nine weeks left of the, of the regular season um and it's been it's been bumpy for for quite a few teams, and uh, it's it hasn't gotten any harder to really keep up with all these games. Um, I I don't know what it is about the WNBA, but I think it's the number of teams. So there's just twelve teams, right? There's usually there's like six could be six games going on at, on any given night. It doesn't seem like one of the things that I do love 
and this might be like me and my old age gen is just that keeps me coming back to the nfl is like i know when the games are there's one on thursday (laughs) there's all they're on sunday there's one on monday i am just like a a chicken with my head cut off as much as i love this league and this game who's on like some game some days there'll be one game (laughs) the next day there's like four at the same time on four different platforms i'm like guys you we've you got you got to help us out here um but yeah i do and then even being such a big you know european soccer fan it's like well our still plays on saturday like that's just what it is you know or sunday (laughs) i don't i don't have to like think about when there's less deeply Yeah, and then when there's less games in a week two, it's like, all right, I'm making sure I want like this is the weekly game. Like, yeah, have they looked exactly. this week? And we're like, you know, and realistically, you're gonna have to obviously play two, three games a week. But uh, right, even in college, you know, two games a week is is kind of nice. But yeah, and even and even in the college game too, you know, you have to kind of like look ahead at the week, look yes. at the standings, like Pick see what choose. the matchups are, <laughs> and kind of like you know, it's just it's it's almost it's almost impossible, you know, yeah. given the fact that you and I don't. Um, get paid to watch this stuff so that's why tuesday was, was nice though with the uh, with the double header yeah seven and uh, nine those games, beautiful seven and nine perfect times it was advertised i saw it plenty of times knew it was going to be i was like oh, this is were they and i'm sure they got two viewers that's yes. why they're on espn one was on espn the other was on espn two i believe but either way yeah right and um i don't think it's a coincidence that that is uh why it was sort of thro- thrown in our faces and we were, we were made right. aware of it um yep but needless to say it has been it's been rough for a few teams and we spoke not a couple weeks ago but even prior to that you know prior to the season about right after the draft and um you know a lot of teams have new coaches and um a lot of teams like the fever have drafted a lot of a lot of young players there's been a lot of big player movement tina charles went to phoenix and Stephanie Dolson went to New York and Landell Don's back now and Alicia Clark is back now. And there's just a lot of, a lot of, you know, turnover, it seems um, with a lot of these teams. And I know in professional sports, maybe more than any other field is we just really expect success immediately, you know, like irrationally. So we're just like, everyone should be winning. Everyone should be winning all the time. Well, it's impossible. Like someone has to lose these games. Someone has to have a bad record, but right now it's, um, it's looking really tough in New York. It's looking really tough out in Phoenix and the fever are kind of all over the place, but there's for me is a little bit easier to make sense of Jen, just because of the new, you know, Lynn Dunn coming in as the GM recently, new head coach that they're going to be bringing in new draft picks. That one's, I can kind of like rationalize that a bit more, but New York and Phoenix are confounding a bit. I want to start with New York because we, we were really optimistic <laughs> from the first couple of games that we, we had seen. And it yeah. seems like we've done, done a bit of a 180. but um, what have you sort of taken from the last three, three and a half weeks of Liberty? Because they are, they're looking, I don't even know if not like themselves is the right, is the right terminology because I don't think they've really, we don't really think that they found that yet, you right. know, but they are, in 10th place right now and you know they won their they won their last game but they're they're two and seven overall yeah um it's yeah it's actually so funny you they have done a complete 180 i remember right after watching the opener against connecticut uh you know they, they beat them and the, the sun obviously you know it's the first game of the season the sun had didn't have some pieces back but uh you know the liberty looked exciting they looked like they were gonna be really fun to watch the place was packed uh, but again i think it's just like you said i don't think we can really uh 
you know, put a mark on exactly where, where they're at right now. And the chem and because of the lack of chemistry, um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that, oh, they're, they're not good. Uh, you know, obviously Sandy Brondello coming in and it's been a rough patch after that, you know, big first win against Connecticut, but they've got so many new pieces on the roster. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just going to take some time. Like I'm actually not that worried about this team. Um, do I think that they're going to be title contenders? No, but do I think that they're going to make the playoffs and be competitive? Um, in that in that first round, yes, um, they've got they've got star power with Laney. They've got UNS unit. Laney's been in and out of the lineup. She was hurt for a few games, I think, to start. Um, obviously, UNSQ. Yep, yeah, yeah. and like Asia Durr's starting to kind of like finally uh, play, get a little bit more playing time now. Obviously, being back from the whole COVID scare and everything, I think they have so many pieces just up and down, um, and. I think with a veteran coach like Sandy Brondello, this is something that she can handle. Um, And this is probably something that she's been accustomed to throughout her career. I don't think she's hitting the panic button right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a work in progress. It's day to day. Um, I think that they have an optimistic outlook. I think they've got too much talent to, to not at least elevate a little bit. Um, Again, I don't think that they're going to be, you know, a top one or two team this season. I don't, Mm -hmm. but I think a two and seven record, um, right now is not telling of, of who they will be come mid-July. Um, I think that they're really going to turn it around. I think they're going to find a groove. And I think, I think that they're going to be uh, way better than their, than their record shows right now. As, and as for Indiana, like you said, I agree. Um, this one's not as shocking just because I don't think many people expected them to be in mm-hmm. any other place, honestly, than kind of the bottom. Um, so, But I think that they've been in some close games. I think their last game, I didn't watch it, but I heard that they competed in the last couple games um and you know i think that they're going to be able to at least hang around i don't know if they're going to be able to win close games against teams with a lot of experience having so many rooks um Mm -hmm. but i think that there's there's definitely potential that we've already seen i think the coaching change was interesting timing i'd like to get your thoughts on that we'll probably Mm -hmm. hit on it but um interesting just you know a quarter of the way in now with a with a new roster that was showing some promise, not really getting it done necessarily, but uh, that was interesting. Um, and then the Mercury, like we just said too, like flipping back and forth, you know, between Sandy Brundello, leaving Phoenix to go to New York, and now the Mercury struggling with their Vanessa Nygaard, their new coach. It's uh, it's just the way that it goes. I think it takes some time to settle in regardless. Um, they have, you know, extreme talent, Hall of Fame caliber talent on their squad as well. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of these teams right now, they're they're just trying to find their way. They're getting people back from overseas. They're trying to understand. They have new coaches. They're just trying to get a feel for it. And uh, I don't want to bash a team or or highlight a team too too much, except for the Aces, which we'll get to. But uh, I don't I don't want to be too down on any one team right now because I don't think it's a real reflection of what we're going to see come July. I think if we look at you know for anybody any listeners out there who are sort of unaware of the playoff format, um, WNBA is does it go by conferences when it comes to playoff spots? It's, you know, whoever the top eight are overall of the 12 teams. Um, and right now we're looking at the Mercury, Liberty, Fever, and Lynx that are rounding out the bottom four. And I do agree with you 100%, Jen. And I think if I had to, in in this in this case, if I had to pick one of those three teams to turn it around and make the playoffs, it would 100% be the Liberty. And, I, and here's why. I think with those three teams um, – the Liberty's issues, if we're going to call, call them that, are very much on the court. There's their basketball. Uh, I think to your point, you know, a lot of new pieces, 
Yeah. Um, we're yeah. seeing, I think one of my big questions over the last couple of weeks has kind of been like, why is Hanshu not playing more? Because of the uh, the success. Stephanie Dolson came out firing last night, <laughs> was was playing really well right off the bat. And between her and Hanshu, I just think that their post presence, if they can really kind of figure out, you know, get get the two of them going and really establish them, that just, you know, basketball 101, that just really opens up the talented right. guards that New York has. Mm-hmm. And the turnovers that they're having, I think is maybe a little bit to kind of chemistry and not understanding roles and that whole thing. But long story short, I really do feel like the Liberty's issues are basketball related. Um, yep. One of the main reason why I just have any a hard time thinking anything, you know, really positive of, of the Mercury right now is I think a lot of their problems are not basketball related. Um, one of them is extremely unfortunate and that is the, uh, that Brittany Griner is not here yet. And um, hopefully she will be, she will be here soon. This, this situation is just needs to end, frankly, it just needs to end. Um, but having her not here is one thing, but it does seem like there's a couple other things maybe may bubbling. Um, Vanessa Nygaard has had a tough time transitioning. And I know that Griner's absence has had a lot to do with that, but it really just feels like there's uh, there's some tension. Uh, some of which we have sort of seen on the court, you know, Tarasi's ejection is not really isolated given the way yeah, that Tarassi has played, has played the game for the yeah. past, you know, 25 years. But I think if you look at that um, in relation right. to some other things that have happened with, you know, the bench scuffle a couple, a couple games ago and Skylar Diggins being sort of out for a couple of games after that, whether you want to be a conspiracy theorist or not as to why she was, that's fine. But there's a couple of things that are happening that are not, I don't think, isolated incidents. And having those them not be on the court related, it's really hard for me to sort of think that we're going to see them make a major turnaround. I don't I don't know where the major turnaround would even come from. Um, right. the, the, one, the one positive that I would say is having watched the game, um, most of the game on Tuesday, is, you know, they looked almost okay slash better once Tarasi was out. I don't know if that's something that we should be like reading too much into, um, but there's definitely something to be said for that. And also just a bunch of stuff going on there. And then in Indiana, I just think there's, there's just way too much turnover, you know, there's way too much turnover and they just need, they need time. And even now, um, yeah. And front office too. Right. I mean, and you know, yeah. even their, there are four, I remember now how many draft picks they have, five, four or five draft picks. Um, but even from like the first game of the season where I think three or four of them started, I mean, they're starting to even see less and less game time now. So, I mean, they're kind of figuring out what their personnel is and uh, and what they're doing. And if they can bring a solid head coach in and, you know, build off this course, it's going to take them a few years. But um, just really, uh, really tough stuff, I think, to see in Phoenix. And um, just tough overall. Again, you never want to see teams, you know, struggling. But, I mean, Phoenix has lost six or seven in a row. Oh, they're, on, they're on like a six-game losing streak. Um, really tough. Really tough. You know, at a certain point, it's not all basketball, right? There's just got to be, you know, similar, similar stuff going on. But um, any other thoughts on Fever? Yeah, my, it- only, my only last glimmer of hope for Phoenix, honestly – um, just, you know, hang in between that eight and 12 spot. Like even if they're going to, if they're going to compete for a number an eight spot, um, would just be the fact that they were in the championship last year. I know mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the, the core of the roster is still there. 
But again, I don't know if they can they can compete in a playoff situation without Griner. And at this point, I'm where I think we're all pretty doubtful that she she will be playing at all this right. season. Um, you know, obviously hoping she gets back as soon as possible. But I think mm-hmm. basketball is the, the last priority for her probably right now. Right. Um, so I think that they'll. You know, I don't think that they're going to finish 12. I think that they could really they could get up to nine, eight if they uh, if they start to turn it around a little bit and just make some more shots. Their three point shooting's been really down. Um, I think they just signed Carly Samuelson, so I think that was just to kind of help Huge out fan. with that. Huge fan, Carly Samuelson. I exactly. just just one of those players where you 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 see the name headline, you're like, great. Just that just that yeah. just makes me happy. And it makes sense. I agree with you, though, that Tarot, they looked better without Tarasi on the floor. And, mm. you know, that's hard to say, really hard right. to say. Yeah. It's, hard, yeah. it's hard to imagine a team being better with her not on the floor. But when it comes to off the court stuff, maybe that mm. is the piece that's, you know, there's just some chemistry issues going on there just off the court that are translating on. And as a former player, you know, and you being a former coach, you know that anything that happens off the court, um, it's hard to keep it. Uh, anything that happens yeah, off the court, it's hard to keep it uh, without, you know, when you're playing in games too, it, it creeps onto the court um, a lot of times, regardless of whether you want it to or not separating the, uh, the off the court issues uh, is, is tough. And it does, it does end up translating a lot. So we'll see what they can do, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with your, your take on Phoenix there and New York having just the edge to kind of turn that around and really put it together. I mean, you look at also gen teams that are sitting in like six, seven, eight, you know, like, do we expect the sparks to just, you know, drop off? Like, I mean, again, you yeah. know, they're, they're one of those teams for you. We know we're just, you never really know what to make of them, but it's, it's hard How for me to imagine. Atlanta? Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I have. How do we I get mean, 20 minutes that, into this podcast and not talk about I Atlanta? <laughs> I know. I said, I was like four. Oh my God. Like Ryan Howard. Okay. I got to, I got to this weekend. I'm going to be in them a little bit. <laughs> but we got, but you look, I mean, are the sparks going to drop off? Are the wings going to drop off? Like who's going to make room for Phoenix unless Phoenix, you know, really works to get into that, you know, eight, nine, seven spot. I just, it is that seven, eight. I think it's those two teams. Just like you said, I think those I mean, two are going to be the ones to up and down, up and down. We'll see. Spe- you know, speaking of Dallas, I've, I've never, I've never asked you about this player before. And I can't believe that that's the case given how many times we've talked, but Arike Gumbawale, where, where, where is she on just, is she a player that if she's on TV, you have to watch her? Is she one of those players for you? I mean, I sh- she has a style that I feel like could be kind of polarizing. People could be like, I don't really want to watch that. But I, I just find her just like, every time she touches the ball, something amazing is going to happen and I have to watch her. Where are you on Arike Gumbawale? Yeah, she's electric is what I would say. And I don't, I, I mean it in a good way, um, but I'd compare her to the female James Harden of, you know, can get a shot at any time for herself from anywhere, from anywhere. Um, and can put up, you know, she put up 37 the other night, I think, I, I mean, scores in bunches. Um, but you've seen the bits and pieces of wh- where does it translate to winning? And, you know, right now they're in the seventh spot. What were they middle of the pack last year? Right. They, they had, they had, and they had a lot of young talent last year as well. And I think they've got great talent around them with Marina Mabry and some really good yep. bigs as well. But uh, I just like to see more of that. Um, you know, I take 20 points and a win as opposed to 37 and, you know, maybe a loss, like just, I think that uh, she definitely can fill it up, but, how is she impacting her teammates maybe a little bit more and to contribute to, you know, them really getting over the hump and becoming not just an, an okay or decent team. She's got to be able to lead them to be a great team. Cause I think she's one of the best scorers in the league. One of those, um, 
you know, ever popular topics in, in NBA sports media, you know, great player, bad team <laughs> right. is, is, uh, is probably just probably the closest, you know, comparison that we have. They've never been bad. They're just, they're, they're always, they're just, they're just, yeah. Okay. They're, they're decent. Like, like can, can she right. Become a great player in the league and, and help her team win and help her team right. get over. The- That's the challenge. I think for Enrique. Yeah. I just, I agree. And she's been in the league three years. Yeah. I think this is. When did she graduate? Like 17, 18. Was she maybe Kate? She Kate to Lucy Samuelson? No, was it she played when they, I was courtside when Notre Dame played, it was UConn and Mississippi State, right? Then they, the buzzer beaters. I watched mm-hmm. it a lot. And that was Enrique two nights in a row. Unbelievable. 18, right? I think that was her senior year. Yeah. I think 18. it was 18. She's been in league. Yeah. Or it might've been a junior year. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, she's one of those players that. Um, she's a franchise player to me. Ex- yeah, there you go. I mean, there's like seven or eight of them <laughs> in the league. So, you know, after a couple of years now, you got to start asking that question. You know, what what does she need? You know, what what do we what does she need around her? We we have to get it. Right. Um, but but right. Dallas Dallas needs to after three years, depending on how they finish this year. Right now they're sitting at seven. Um, they they have to make a jump. They, they have to make a jump into being like a top four or five team, four team, you know, it's just, are they just going to sit at seven her entire career? They, they can't do that. Right. One team that's not having any problems, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Las Vegas Aces. Um, Becky Hammond just named coach of the month, coach of the month. Yeah. Um, yeah. Asia Wilson, I believe is player of the month. I forget even who sets these awards up or where they even come from, but um, yeah. whether or not they even existed, I think it's pretty, pretty obvious for us to say, Hey, who's the best coach so far? Becky Hammond. Hey, who's the best player so far? Asia Wilson. Um, they have had one loss this season, which was shortly after you and I spoke the first time they had, they had a win in a, in Vegas. And then they like flew to cross country to DC and like played the next day or something crazy like that. And then it was like, they played 36 hours later after a cross country trip flying commercial and lost. And it was, and at the time it felt like a fluke game because you knew yeah. what the external circumstances were. And it turns out it was absolutely a fluke game. They have not lost since <laughs> they are nine one and they sit atop of the league. What are you most excited about when you watch this team play? Like, can you even pick one? Yep. It's gotta yep. be like four or five. Kelsey Plum. Um, Kelsey Plum. <laughs> Seems like a great hang too. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> the the growth and the development that's just like all coming together right now. And every time she steps on the floor, like she had a step back three in front of Tom Brady the other night on on ESPN, drilled it. The confidence that she's playing with is it is just back reminds me back to her Washington days playing for Mike Neighbors. Um, mm-hmm. you know where she was like. Is all-time leading scorers. So I don't even know what the, yep. you know, um, but she's playing like college Kelsey right now. And, you know, it takes, took a couple of years, obviously playing in a totally different system last year where it was really post-dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got the freedom playing under Becky Hammond. She's got the trust. She turns it over a little bit, but I think she's actually cleaned it up um, lately, but like her numbers and the way she creates, she's not just scoring. She's driving and setting up everybody else and everyone else around her is making shots. And that's the difference. And that's why the aces have been so good. They're three point shooting all across the board mm-hmm. um, and their ability to have three or four players who can get their own shot at any time. Um, so right. it's been, it's been incredible to watch. I've loved it. I've, I've watched almost every single game, um, and really dove into a lot of their offense and 
everything that they're running, they just look so fluid, so comfortable. The after timeout execution by Becky Hammond is incredible. Chelsea Gray just, you know, making tough shot after tough shot. When every, you know, Connecticut thought they were playing good, they would play great defense for a whole possession. Mm-hmm. Chelsea Gray turns around and hits a fadeaway. Like those are just daggers and those are backbreaking uh, plays for, you know, for a defense who who put all the effort in for, you know, whatever, 22 seconds and then to, to get hit with a buzzer beater at the end of the shot clock. Like you can only take so many of those before the defense just kind of starts to let up. So yep. the Aces, yeah, have been nothing short of exciting. They're, they're totally appointment viewing. Um, Becky Hammond really just feels like she's operating – at a level above every other coach in the league she oh you know what jen it almost seems like she's been in the nba for a while <laughs> right, right. Like, it almost, it almost seems so like she was ready for this <laughs> she's just um, proven to everybody yeah. just unbelievable i think me too but is <laughs> right i mean for with her experience and you know not just as a coach but as a player um, with what her overall CV was, I mean, just entered the league in, in my mind thinking like she could lose every game and I would still think she was the best, she was the best, she was the best thing the league's ever seen. And she's just been, um, she's just been phenomenal. I mean, there's just such a clear trust between these players and their coach. I mean, you look over in a sideline and see her, you're like, we're good. Like, I don't even care what you drop. What, what are you going to drop? Sure. We'll do that. You want me to jump off her back and duck it? Fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, they have really really gelled supremely well together and um i think from a coaching perspective you know becky hammond being an assistant in the nba uh, i imagine that she entered from a place of um uh selflessness and saying you know guys here you're you're all incredible players and i i think i really think she came in and just looked at what she had and decided we're going to make this all about you guys. Like this is not going to be anything other than you're some of the best players on the planet. And here's how we're all going to play together. And here's how we're all going to be successful. And for as great a coach as she is somehow, she, she still is not the first thing you notice. Right. I mean, these, it's like, you know, she's there, but then you see Wilson and plum and young and you're like, all right, Becky Hammond's their coach. Like they're just, they're all so good. I mean, I think, um, you're uh, saying before, you know, what Kelsey Plum's been doing offensively. I mean, she's leading the team in assists. She has like 5.9 assists per game, almost almost averaging almost six, six uh, assists per game. Jackie Young is actually the team's leading scorer right now with 18 and a half points. Um, their they're three-point shooting to your another um, backup of your of your previous point, 47% from three. That's that's wild. I, I saw on on my good friend twitter back on it was before memorial day it was like may 23rd 24 something like that um her hoop sats mm-hmm. had said that up until up until the 24th of may obviously a very small you know sample size portion of the season but they're they were they had the league's highest offensive rating like in the history of the league right. by may 24th like that's like 112 point something and they were averaging like over a point per possession like that's insanity um but they have five players averaging in double digits right now. You know, Derek, all five of their starters are averaging in double digits. Um, and one thing I talked about uh, last week, um, Meredith Cash, um, Business Insider, and I spoke last week about mostly soccer stuff, but some WBA stuff. Um, the Aces have three number one draft picks on their team, which is something I feel like is not talked about a lot. 
if at all. Like Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, and Asia Wilson are all number one draft picks, and they're all starting on this team. That's insanity. And you know, I don't know if it's a a gender bias thing or not, but if this is the NBA, that just doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I mean, Hammond's making this work. I mean, they're all making it work collectively, obviously, but they're she's making it work, and they are just man, they're fun. This is what, yeah, I mean, when we, when we yeah. read the announcement on Twitter, Jen, when we read that Hammond was coming to the WNBA, this is what we all were hoping for. We like, we prayed to the basketball gods. This is what we would get. And we freaking got it. <laughs> and I couldn't and be you more know what too? Like this really sets the stage for more of, you know, there's a handful of, of female coaches in the WNBA now. I mean, that is, mm-hmm least between five and ten I, I guess um just you know they might not be on the like right on the bench with the NBA team but working in NBA organizations I think there's there's a handful now since Becky Hammond kind of led that charge and I think it's going to open the door for more GMs right and more owners to say all right like Becky Hammond's having this experience coming from the NBA coming from NBA coaching rooms and coaching meetings and staff meetings how to manage a roster like she got all that experience I think more opportunities are going to come from female coaches that are in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Hey, like this is, this is how Becky Hammond, she came in and was successful right away. You know, I think more of those, uh, those coaches that are on the men's side um, might, might be interested in, in coming back to the WNBA to take a head coaching position, just like Hammond. The, the biggest, the biggest one, I think to, for everyone to keep their eye on who her name was thrown around a bit. Um when the Portland job was open to, I know, I know Don Saley, his name was on the list too, um, but it's uh, Teresa Weatherspoon, who's an assistant yeah. down in New Orleans. Yep. Um, her name's, every time there's a big coaching position open, her name seems to be in there, whether it's NBA or WNBA. And uh, I, I know you and I were not speculating, but more um, trying to like, you know, speak it into existence of seeing her come back and be on the Liberty sideline, which would have been just a dream, I think, for any any young Liberty people who've been Liberty fans for for decades. That would have been just amazing. Um, I I hope that we see her in the league at some point. I don't know when. You know, maybe she'll stay in the NBA. Maybe she won't. But I would. That would just be fantastic. She's uh she's the next one I have my eye on, for sure. Yeah. Let's do a cu- couple quick. Let's do a couple quick ones here. Um. So Asia Wilson hit the thousand rebound mark recently. Tiffany Mitchell hit the 500 rebound mark recently. I was going through, um, I know you have your methods for kind of preparing for our chats and stuff, but I, uh, I think I use Twitter like 80% to sort of like, like stuff, but my liking things is mostly for me to like go back and read things later. Right. Um, and that's sort of, <laughs> sort of right where I start uh, when it comes to organizing um, my thoughts around competitions that we have. Um, so I had seen those two things. And I thought, you know what, let's, uh, let's bring it up. And I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about um, in relation to that is just because um, rebounding really isn't talked about a lot. You know, we've gotten, the game's gotten really small. It's gotten really spread out, et cetera, et cetera. I think for the better personally. Um, I was actually thinking, this is totally off topic the other day. I was telling um, to my two coworkers um, that I was a center in high school because I went to public high school and I was 5'11". I was the tallest person. So I was therefore thrown in the post, but I was like, severely underweight in high school I was like 125 pounds because I played three three sports and I worked 
and I played AAU and I just like expelled so many calories when I was between the ages of like 14 and 18, I like could not gain weight. And I just got the shit kicked out of me when I was, when I was in high school. And I thought like, how wild that like in the early 2000s, we were just still doing that like basketball, like color by number thing. Like, what if we just played like five out in 2004? Like, why did I have to be a center? Because that's how we played back then. It was like one, two, three, four, five. But yeah. what if, what if we didn't do that? It's um, it be like, like basketball is getting a total unanswerable question, but just, just totally a product of like 2004 that I was like shoved in the middle to just get my ass kicked. Um, but anyway, so yeah. how do you guys talk about rebounding? Not specifically at Quinnipiac. It, it mm-hmm. could be, but how do you talk about rebounding? And is it, how emphasized is it, you know, is it something that's assigned to certain players? You know, I mean, three, obviously three point shooters are traditionally guards, but now it's kind of anybody and po- post players used to be rebounders, but how do you guys talk about that? Yeah, honestly, I think that there's a knack to rebounding. I think that there's a, a natural instinct. Mm, to it. I love this. I, and I've just, since I started coaching, I really thought about it. I mean, yeah. Like, could you try a little harder to go after a rebound? Mm. Yes. And you might get one or two more a game, but the people that I've played with over the course of my career who were the best rebounders just had a nose for the ball. Mm. That thing went up and they could read it off the rim before it hit the rim. They knew if it was going to be short, if it was going to be long. And then they also had that, five to ten percent extra effort than the person next to them to go after it so you know ball rolls maybe you know five feet away from you are you going for it or some people are just nah i'm gonna just run back right Mm. i think that rebounding there's a real knack to it and there's a real anticipation coordination and physicality Mm. piece um if you look at like mac deweese on our team right now i was just bringing up quinnipiac real quick like she's legit five eight and is the best re- mm. like I the best rebounder in our conference without a doubt, um, and it's all physicality and her desire to go get it. She finds right. herself in the right spot at the right time, and then when she gets a hand on the ball, though, she's ripping it with force. She's not grabbing at it with one hand trying to pull. Like it is a violent like grab and pull and tug it in. Um, so to me, rebounding again, like, I think if you're a good rebounder in high school, it translates. If you're a good rebounder in college, Asia Wilson was a great rebounder in college, right? I mean, I know she's six, five, of course you have an advantage, but there's plenty of six, five people that, that don't rebound. Well, they can, they can get a rebound that falls right next to them, but are they going out of area and snatching things out of the air? That's a different story. I really do think that rebounding translates. And the last piece of it too, is that you can't forget the more shots that you miss right as a team the more rebounds there are had to be to be gotten right Mm -hmm. the more opportunities so I think you you'll notice that on teams that don't shoot as well there's players that have elevated rebounding numbers because there's more opportunity for rebounds so the fact that I don't even know what the who are who the rebounding leader is right now you could probably tell me is Asia Wilson is easily in the top five I could I could make that I'm making an assumption here that I hope is correct but even if she's not if she's not, I would say Sylvia it's Fowles. because they're Sylvia Fowles is what? This well, is uh, excuse me, it's average. Fowles is averaging 10.9. Wilson's okay. averaging 10.4. Okay, this is my argument here. Wilson, to me, should is is averaging more. She should be because the aces 
are shooting the lights out, like we just said, right? Mm -hmm. So there's less opportunities for her to get rebounds. Whereas the Lynx, I'm assuming they are at the bottom of the the league right now. So they're clearly not making that many shots where they'd probably be winning. Right. Fouls is probably twice the amount of attempts to go after because they're missing so many more shots. So if you really were to say, you know, who's the best rebounder in the league right now, I'd Mm -hmm. say Asia Wilson, just for the, the opportunities that are are out there so i know it's a little complicated but that's why like the number of rebounding rebounds and stats is always a little bit skewed based on how how well your team's shooting the ball and even um even crazier for vegas is that the number three the top the number three top rebounder in the league right now is jerica hamby wow at (laughs) 9.8 that's insane that is insane that's insane um Yeah. I, uh, when you, when you're high school is a really, it's, that's one of those things I think you can really get a gauge on a player Yeah, is one of those elements of the box score, you know, that is really just, you know, for, if we're looking at a, um, a seesaw and one of the sides is, you know, technique and skill, the other side is effort. I think rebounding is probably heavier on the, uh, the, uh, the effort you know, higher up the technique or skill is. Um, and in those areas of the game, I think you learn the most about players and, and how well they do them. I mean, if you have a player like um, the one that you're speaking about, who's 5'8", you know, uh-huh. I was, you know, 5'11", five, five, but really, really skinny, just not a physical presence. You know, if you're between like 5'8", and 5'11", six feet, and you're underweight, and, and you're ripping down rebounds, that's, uh, you have to be a little more crafty. I mean, you have to be a little smarter because you don't have that much weight to throw around. So you have to be smarter about where it's going to come off the rim um, and the angles and, and really being more bold about throwing your body. And uh, that does, I think, you know, translate really in, into the college game too. But yeah, I mean, I always remember Charles, Charles Barkley being like, how do you, uh, how do you, how, what's the secret to rebounding? Just go get the damn ball. <laughs> it's like his whole, his whole thing about it. But um, it's so funny because coaches always talk about to like rebounding drills and whatnot. And there's this like big controversy over, you know, if rebounding drills are just a waste of time, like just mm-hmm. play basketball and, and like, go get the damn ball. Cause when you're right. doing rebounding drills, you're just kind of, you're just having people kill each other essentially. And you're just going to hurt your team anyway. So that's always the, the big debate between coaches who like love doing rebounding drills. And then the other side is like, no, like we're not just going to put, put our players up against each other to fight, to fight for a ball. If they're not going to get it, you know, in a game, they're not going to get it in this drill. So it's always funny between that, the injury. That, there, yeah. I mean, there is an argument to be made there. I, I, I will hear that. I think I love you it. Know, when we, when we teach, like if, if you teach basketball the correct way and you're teaching the foundations of what offense is right. The first layer of offense is transition. Now I would argue, um, and I think you could argue that really the first layer of offense is the securing of the rebound. So that's in my mind, that's really where offense starts and where if you can't, if you can't rebound the ball, you're just going to be consistently on defense the entire time. Is there anything more important in the game when you think about it in that respect? I don't know. Um, but anyway, we, it's one thing we haven't talked about um, really ever. So I like that little. We'll we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. I like that. I like that. Um, C. Vivian Stringer, the legend, is retiring. Um, Cokies Washington to Rutgers. She was at Penn State a while ago. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where she's kind of been in the interim, but I um, 
She did a phenomenal job I at Penn State. I want to say she was at Notre Dame. Was she? That's what I, I think. I'm she was at Penn State when um, this was like 2000, like late. I don't remember when she got there, but she was there throughout Maggie Lucas's career, who was one of my favorite college players. Um, this was like 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, I don't think she's been at Penn State this entire time. I, I also know she was she, a she's former a, associate at Notre Dame. Okay. And she's also a lawyer. So I, she may have like practiced law for a bit before she came back in Italy. I'm not sure, but I, I didn't, I wasn't sure where she kind of where she was, you know, what sideline she was on the past couple of years. So when I saw her name, I was like surprised, but also just really excited because I think she, she's, she's fantastic. And uh, what, um what a person to take over for Steve Vivian Stringer, who's just, you know, the ultimate, the, the, the legend uh, tier and women's college basketball coaching, Jen, is really, uh, really thinning out. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> no, Gino. <laughs> Tara. Hang on. Tara. Don't leave us. <laughs> um, this is a fun one. The Seattle Storm have announced a new 50,000 square foot training facility. How pumped for you to hear this? First one ever Let's in the history go. of the league. Yeah. All right. I'm excited to see that. I hope they, you know what I want to see more of, and this is kind of a, a side like a Let's little bit of tangible. This is the best stuff. More like in-depth um, behind the scenes of each of these teams. Like I feel like mm. during the COVID season in the bubble, we got a taste of it. Yeah. You know, like the day in the life kind of stuff, like inside practices, like all access. Like I, I would love to see like the Las Vegas Aces, you know, a, a day in the life of Kelsey yep. Plum, a day in the life of Becky Hammond. Like what are they doing on a, like with their staff? And obviously there's certain stuff you can't show, right. but uh, you know me just being the, the YouTube. Uh, I love that stuff. Um, are you talking like getting an inside look? Are you talking like, um, like content that the, that the team or organization is curating or are you talking about like self-curated stuff like you know tiktok Either social media honestly, you mean like actual like franchise is like producing yes, this stuff yes, and yes yes okay. franchise producing it um i, I mean i i'm i probably would watch kelsey mitchell if she did a vlog of her i would watch that too, i think that's a different perspective kelsey kelsey plum <laughs> gotcha I, go. I got you i got you <laughs> i got you <laughs> oh gosh um yeah i would definitely watch something that she self-produced but i i love like a good you know documentary series like the duke blue devils the men's team does a great job of it they do like a, a duke blue planet and they do like 20 episodes a season or something and it's like you know you see the dorms you see him go to practice you see the workouts like you know the coaches or you know you get the little interviews with the coaches like i would love to see an all-access las vegas aces and becky hammond's first year you know, a little bit of the behind the scenes. And I know it's probably the last thing they're thinking of, but the way that they're riding it out, like this stuff should be documented. And maybe it is. And maybe percent, hundred percent. Let's do it. But I like want to see Seattle it. Like the Seattle Storm. Like I want to, like, I want to see the progress of that building. Like I want to hear Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart talking about it. Like I want to, you know, Noel Quinn. Like I, I want to see more of it behind mm -hmm. the scenes. Me too. I want to see it. They just, um, so DAZONE, the company DAZONE had the rights to, the women's champions league this year um john skipper is the former ceo of espn he left a few years ago and his venture following that departure was the zone mm -hmm. um they're they were doing mostly like boxing boxing was kind of like their thing that's the first one that they really um tried to kind of monopolize the content and uh, ownership of but they have since they're starting to expand into women's sports stuff but the zone released or they announced not too long ago that they had filmed 
a behind the scenes documentary um, of Chelsea, the women's team, like an oh, intense wow. like documentary series. I have not watched the first or two, first one or two episodes yet, but I do plan on it. But it's like a like a extremely highly you know well produced thing, awesome. um, be- all behind the scenes stuff, like seeing everybody and you know player interviews and how they really feel about certain things and seeing right. training and I don't know that we have that for any team in the WNBA yeah I mean ESPN obviously has done standalone you know docs but we don't have any sort of documentary series where we are you know intensely following a women's sports team that that I'm aware of um so what we're trying to say is we want them let's uh, let's go guys (laughs) let's let's go we're gonna have to make it (laughs) yeah seriously um last one for you NBA finals pick Oh, I'm so excited. I've Me got too. the Warriors in five. Warriors in five. Really? Mm-hmm. I think the Celtics will get one, but I think I think the Warriors are going to take care of business. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it goes to seven because it was unbelievable watching Celtics. Heat, they but. do match up. They do seem to match up really well. And, you know, I mean, the experience level is just so, so lopsided, you know, from the players to obviously Steve Kerr and the head coach. And it's, you, you want to lean that way just because, but I, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to tell these playoffs. Sorry for everyone who wants, you know, this is, we're obviously not talking about women's sports right now, but um, keeping it in, in basketball. Yes. The playoffs have been so weird. Like the Warriors were down like 50 in one game. The Celtics are like turning the ball over. They're like collapsing at random. They're like winning by 20, losing by 20. I, I don't really know what to make of, of anything. The NBA playoffs right. have been extremely odd. So um, this, and, and, I think this is going to be a good one. It's gonna be a good I series. think it's going to be a good series. And, you know, the first game of any series is really kind of hard to base too much judgment on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, f- I feel like the home team should win. So it's kind of the Warriors haven't played in like a week. We'll see what that if that means that they're fresh or if they're, you know, like a little a little slow starting. So we'll see. That's true. But yeah, pick a Liberty game and we'll go. We'll do it. Okay. That works. And you're you're around this month, so maybe we'll just uh we can grab a drink yes. too at some point. Yes. Well you're still where you Trafford? Yeah, I'm actually moving into yeah. my house the next couple of weeks. So I was gonna I be, ask I'll, that. I'll, I'll be like, around. It's been a long time coming, eh? I know. Seriously. It's like, <laughs> Love like it. age, like nine years. Anyway. Yeah. Always a pleasure, my friend. We will uh, talk All soon. All right. Good chat, Jen. Here we go. Bye, Jen. Thank you for listening. Follow-up episode with Jen will be up in late June before she heads on the recruiting trail for the month of July. That should be in a couple days or so. We will revisit the topics from this episode, see how our playoff picks are doing, and make all-star picks. Listen, subscribe, rate, review on Apple and Spotify. Follow and engage on Instagram at untitled.offic and Twitter at untitledoffic. Here's the 102nd edition of Player Voicemail. Support the girls. Hey, Shannon. I'm officially done with high school. I graduation on June 4th, and now it's time for me to go on vacation before I start my summer job. Then I'm moving to WPI at the end of August. I'm very excited to start this new chapter. Bye.